in the message. Just listen to what they say, and I'll give you the verses. Proverbs 15.10 says, It is a school of hard knocks for those who, who leave God's path. You want to go to the school of hard knocks? Then leave God's path. It goes on to say in that same passage, A dead-end street is for those who hate God's rules. Now, when I hate God's rules, guys, I'm going to tell you, my life is not well with me. You know, for years of my life, I tried to do it my way. Man, it got me into trouble. It literally was a school of hard knocks. You may have heard this before. You're either going to learn one of two ways. You're going to learn by obeying and doing what God says, or you're going to learn the hard way. Now, how many of you have ever learned the hard way? I got all ten fingers and all ten toes up in there. And there's a lot of times in my life I learn the hard way. And when you learn the hard way, guess what happens? That causes pain. Causes pain to yourself and to everybody in your life. Okay, that's Proverbs 15.10. Proverbs 15.33. It says, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. It's the instruction of wisdom. And I like that. Proverbs 16.6 says, in the last part of it, it says, The fear of God deflects evil. And when I get over and fear of God, guys, it's going to deflect evil. Those are good ones. To, to get those in your heart, just to understand the fear of the Lord. And I said this last week, you can't look at the fear of the Lord and the spirit of fear as the same. Those are two different things, Okay. The fear of the Lord is a good thing. You know, if you, if you had an earthly father that, that disciplined you and loved you in the right way, and I had a reverential fear of my father. I understood this, that there were consequences when my father told me things to do. Now, some of you that grew up in Clovis, you probably remember my dad. My dad wasn't very big, but gosh, he could throw the weight around. It was nothing for my dad to bench well over 300 pounds. And man, when he would swing that paddle at you, it would knock your eyes cross-sided. Man, I mean, it would knock all the dust out of your britches and everything. And so I had a fear of, 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 of my father, but it was a good fear because I knew he loved me. And the Bible says that those who God loves, he'll correct. But there's a fear of God that would come on me, the same as my father that said, you know what, I want to please my dad. And many of you know what I'm talking about. Now, I want you to look with me tonight, starting in Leviticus chapter 10. And this will give you an, eye, uh, 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 an example of some things that were, were not a fear of God at all. Verse 1, Leviticus 10, 1. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron. Now, these two guys, Nadab and Abihu, they were considered the elite of the nation right then. Man, they were the cream of the crop. These two guys were actually Moses' nephews. So it says they were the sons of Aaron, and they each took a censer and put fire in it, and they put incense on it. Now, even when this took place, guys, God had specific order that they were supposed to do it in. They couldn't just come in there and do it however they wanted. So this is what happens. It goes on to say, and they offered profane fire before the Lord. Now, I can be honest with you. When you see the word profane, you think, what in the world are you talking about? Listen to some of this, what that word profane means. It said, showing disrespect or contempt 
for sacred things. It talked about also in the Hebrew that it literally meant strange or foreign. In other words, it wasn't part of what God said for them to do. So it goes on to say, And they put profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So the holiness of, of, of the worship was in jeopardy, guys, when these priests offered fire that God hadn't commanded them. When God said, boys, I want you to do it this way, this is what he meant. And so really when you look at this, guys, they were careless. It was a lack of reverence. Actually, when I look at this, it, it seems to me like they came in and thought, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. We can do whatever thing we want. But you know what? They knew better. They were the priests. And even though they were the priests, guys, they were not exempt from honor and obeying God. They weren't exempt one bit. Verse 2. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Now, do you think that didn't get some folk attention? God didn't take it casually, guys. When they came in without a reverential fear of the Lord. Actually, when I begin to study this a little more, I've always wondered what, what was even more significant about this. And I came across this today, and it said that ancient Jewish interpretation taught that they were intoxicated before they came before the Lord. And you know, with me, you know what I said? I got to see proof of the scripture to back that up. Same chapter. Look at verse number 9. Look what it says. Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink. You nor your sons, when you go into the tabernacle of the meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. That was addressed to Aaron. And when I read that, I thought, I've always wondered why that was thrown in there. And so even in that, guys, I mean, these guys came in with the world all over them, and they, they weren't right. Verse 3, and Moses said to Aaron, now think about this. Aaron's two boys are the priests, and they go in there and do this. And I mean, they're, they're crispy critters, guys. They're fried like bacon. And here Moses looks at Aaron and says to him, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. So you know what he was saying here? God will not be mocked. Back then nor today. And you know, the only difference between us and them right now, guys, is we live by a thing called grace. Thank God for the grace of God. I mean, I think about that, guys. How many of us today would have been crispy critters? Probably every one of us. Now listen, guys, I'm going to tell you right now. Grace does not give me a license to do whatever I want. And it's going to come out tonight. You'll see that in the scriptures here. That's not what it was about. But when you see all this, I believe this was a divine statement from Father God. Father God was saying, okay, I demand even from the righteous... That you approach me with a reverential fear. Go with me to the book of Second Chronicles chapter 36. And I want to give you another, another view of that. Okay, you're going to go through uh, the Samuels and the Kings and then to, to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 36. Actually, I believe that's the last chronicle in there. 
All right. You know, I, I, I believe God loves it when we come in with a reverential fear. And when we come into his presence, it's, oh, man, I'm going to bless the Lord today. I'm going to come in here and I'm going to honor him. I'm going to reverence him. Second Chronicles chapter 36. Now, anytime you study the, the Samuels, the Kings, and the Chronicles, you'll always find one of two things written about every one of those kings. It, it'll either say, and they did evil in the sight of the Lord, or they obeyed and they honored the Lord and they did what was right in his sight. Now, just for time's sake, I want to give you a quick few illustrations. Second uh, Chronicles 36, verse 5. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord as God. Did evil. That's how he was known. Verse 9, this guy named whatever was 8 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 3 months and 10 days, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. I'm not going to pronounce some of those guys' names. I'll butcher the fire up. That's why I said that, okay? I'd call him Billy Bob if you want. But he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Once again, you see this. Look with me in verse 11. This is where we're going to begin. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. And Zedekiah did evil in the sight of the Lord his God. Now this one tells you a little more in depth the evil of his life. And it says, And he did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet, who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. So he tells you real quick there that when those prophets in those days, they begin to speak, you better listen. You better humble yourself and pay attention. He's like, I'm not listening to you. I don't have, I'm the king. I can do whatever I want. Verse 13. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar who made him swear an oath by God. But he stiffened his neck. He was prideful. He was arrogant. And he hardened his heart against turning to the Lord God of Israel. Woo, now, a lot of times, not a lot of times, almost every time, when you look at these, as the leader went, the nation went. Almost every time. And this will prove this out right here. Look real quick what he goes on to say. Moreover, all the leaders of the priests and the people... They transgress, they sin more and more according to all the abominations of the nation. And they defile the house of the Lord which he had consecrated in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. Did you read that? God had compassion on his people. He sent people to warn them day after day after day and said, listen, guys, you got to knock that stuff off. That's the love of God. That's the mercy of God. Verse 16, but they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and they scoffed. That word scoffed, one translation says they treated them as idiots. At his prophets until the wrath of the Lord. Now, once again, guys, most of us, we don't like to talk about the wrath of the Lord. But when we don't walk with the reverential fear, this is what happens. And it says, and he rose against his people till there was no remedy. And so if you look there, they ridicule the messengers. And anytime that happens, guys, people can ridicule other people. You can ridicule me. But when it comes down to the word of God, I figured this out. You're not really ridiculing me. You're ridiculing him. 
You know why? It's his word. It's God's word. I'm just telling you what the word of God says. And to be honest with you, I've got to live by the same stuff. Now, I, I, I can tell you this has happened numerous times. I've had people in the last year and a half that have left this church, and they've said to me, you're way out of touch with society. And you know what they meant? You don't understand that this is what society does now. We live this way. We don't live by the Bible anymore. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, they can whack me all they want because I realize I fear God a lot more than them. I'm going to preach the truth. And you know what I realize? It's like Tom Cruise said in that one movie. Or, or Jack Nicholson said, you want the truth? You can't handle the truth. And that's what I look at some of them to tell them. I love you, but you got to understand, I'm going to preach the word. I'm going to preach the truth because that's the only thing that's going to change us. I mean, I can sit around here all day and give you cupcakes and Twinkies and cinnamon rolls. But you know what? That's not going to make you grow. So you're going to get the broccoli and you're going to get the asparagus at times. And you know what? You ought to say, praise the Lord. We're going to get the asparagus tonight. So look what goes on here. Therefore he brought against them the king of the Chaldeans who killed their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on young men or virgin or on the age or the weak. He gave them all into his hand. And, and you look at what he's ultimately talking about, guys. He destroyed it. He destroyed it. So when I read this and look at this, guys, Today, we're, we're seeing the same signs and evidence, I believe, in America. How many people mock? They scoff at the, the Ten Commandments. That stuff's outdated. We don't live by that anymore. We don't. I didn't realize that. We better. Because when you look at the Scriptures, God said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. He didn't say, I'm taking off the 21st century so you yahoos can do whatever you want. He never did say that. And so I look at all this and I think, guys, all this is going to replay itself. And I'm not preaching, preaching hell and brimstone. I am talking, we've got to come back to the reverential fear of God where I fear God more than I do man. And this is, this is big. So when you look at the two passage, the passages that we just read, the one in Leviticus in here, both ended in destruction. Both of them did. And I believe in both situations that God used it for a wake-up call in, in those times. Where we begin to see, man, I've got to obey God. I've got to fear God. You know, when it comes to the Word of God, you've got two options. You obey or you disobey. That's it. That's the bottom line. Now, go back into the New Testament to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And as you're turning there, let, let me tell you this, this story. It's a true story. Many of you probably know the name of Jim Baker, and he had a wife named Tammy Faye Baker. This was years ago. This will date some of us. But they were TV evangelists, televangelists, man. I mean, they had a ministry that, ministry that began to thrive. Just started blowing up, blowing up. But because there was a lack of accountability, and I'm telling you, accountability is big. Every one of us in here need accountability. You ought to have someone that can tell you no. 
If you don't have somebody in your life that can tell you no, you're going to get out in trouble. I'm going to tell you that right now. Who in your life has permission to tell you no? So this guy, he starts blowing up. I mean his ministry and everything, but his life got out of order quickly. And so ultimately, destruction came into his life. Number one, he lost his marriage. They divorced. He lost his ministry. He got sent to the penitentiary. Actually, you know what he said about getting sent to the penitentiary? That was the best thing that could happen to him. He said, God got my attention. While he's in the penitentiary, a guy from one of the major news networks interviews him. And the guy says this, and this is what's always stuck with me in this story. He said, Reverend Baker, when did you stop loving God? And this was his reply. And he said, I never stopped loving God. I always loved God. I just stopped fearing him. I just stopped fearing him. And I can honestly say probably every one of us in here, we love God. Every one of us, if I said, do you love God? We don't, we love God. But do I fear him? Do I fear him? If, if you could ask Nadab and Abihu, did you love God? I believe that's it. We love God. We just didn't fear him. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Ooh, that's good news. I'm going to tell you the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. Let us have grace. Now, I got on that just a minute ago. Let us have grace. Thank the Lord for the grace. Grace is empowerment. But look what he goes on to say. By which we may serve God. Now, I want you to highlight. You ought to mark that right there. Grace is for what? By which we may do whatever we want. That's not what it says, guys. It said grace by which we may serve God. I'm telling you, I, I believe this is really, really important that we understand we need to ask God for an outpouring of grace every day. Father God, grace me so that I may serve you. Not grace me that I can go do whatever I want. See, a lot of people have preached that grace is a license to sin. I don't know about you guys. I never did need a license to sin. I did well enough without a license. I didn't need someone to endorse that. I mean, grace is for help me to serving. Keep reading. Acceptably, with reverence and godly fear. Oh, Father, God, grace us tonight that we serve you with a reverence and a godly fear. That I fear you, Father God, more than I fear man. Anytime. Now look how that, that chapter ends in verse 29. For God is a consuming fire. One translation just point blank says, He is a fire. And if you don't believe it, just ask Nadab and Abihu. They got to taste that stuff. And the reason I point that out, guys, is every one of us, one day, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of God. Oh, happy day. Or you're going to say, crap, horrific. Oh, my gosh. It's not a good day. But we're going to stand before him. And we're going to give an account. 
And I'm going to tell you, I, I look more and more and say, Father God, fill me with the fear of the Lord. I want to fear you, Lord. I want to fear you. Now, oh my goodness, for time's sake, I turn, turn to Matthew 3, real quick, Matthew 3, I'm going to move real quick for this. I just got you to see this before we go back in the Old Testament tonight. Matthew 3. I tell you guys, it's important you teach your children the fear of God. Fear God. Fear the Lord with all you got. Man, get that, get that in there where you stand in awe of him, reverencing. Matthew 3, verse 1. I'm going to just read these first three verses real quick. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is what he was preaching. Repent. Get right. Verse 3. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now this is what Isaiah prophesied thousands of years ago about John the Baptist. Now you want to get exactly what Isaiah prophesied. If you look in, in verse 3, there's a little cross reference there. And it says, go to Isaiah 40 verse 3 and it'll tell you. So go to Isaiah verse 40. I want you to see this, that this is what, what uh, Isaiah prophesied that John would do years, years later. So as you're turning there, think about this. What was, I, or what was John preaching? Repentance. He said, repent. Get right with God. And I believe that's big for every one of us. The best daily vitamin you can take is repentance. You know, we just come before the Lord and repent. I mean, just repent for any little thing. Just keep your heart right. Isaiah 40, verse 3. Look what it starts and says. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Exactly what we read there in Matthew 3. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now when you look at all these things he's talking about, the desert, the valleys, the mountains, the hills, the crooked places, the rough places, guys, he wasn't talking about natural elements. He wasn't talking about the, the literally the mountains and the hills. You know what he was talking about? The ways of mankind. The ways of each one of us. And maybe you're in a desert tonight. He wants to help you. Maybe you're in a valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe you're in a crooked place. And that crooked place there, he's not talking about your spinal cord being out of line and you need adjusted. Actually, that word crooked in the Hebrew means deceitful deceitful and so he's telling us I want to help you to get all this deceit out of your life so really when you look at what he's talking about in all this passage he's saying I want you to have divine order in your life you got to come back under the things I've asked you to do and told you to do and you know what it ought to be an honor for us to obey God 
It ought to be a great privilege. And so God's call here was for men to repent. Get right. Do what I've asked you. Turn over to Isaiah 66. You're real close there. And I know I've had you going all over the place. You need to see scripture. I tell you, that's what will change you, the word of God. The word of God will change you. And so you can go back there and look at all those things. Like I said, he wasn't talking about the, the natural elements, guys. He was talking about our irreverence. He was talking about our lack of fear. Our, our lack of obedience is what he was talking about. And, and it's interesting that Isaiah prophesied and said, there'll come one named John the Baptist. And he'll warn you guys of this stuff. Listen to what he said. Isaiah 66, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. And where, or one translation actually amplified, says, what is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look, on him who has a humble and a broken or contrite spirit. Now, what's he looking for? A humble and a broken spirit. One way of humility, guys, is found there when it says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. But look what he ends here. And, look, look, and I want to highlight here, says, but on this one will I look. And the last thing he says and one who trembles at my word. He trembles at my word. Now, what does that mean? I believe he's talking about here, guys, when we willingly obey God, even when things appear more advantageous for me to compromise. But I willingly say, I'm going to obey God. Even though everything in life says it would be easier if you just compromised. And many times I look at this and I think, do I only obey God when it's going to benefit me? Do I ever obey God when it's difficult and hard? See, that's where God wants to get, where I look and before I make a decision, I tremble at the word of God. All this is is having a fear of God on me and say, Lord, I'm going to live for you. I'm not going to be a man pleaser. I'm going to be a God pleaser. And I remember years, guys, for years of my life, I worked a bunch around a bunch of heathens. I mean, I work, worked around some good, good sinners, and some of you have heard my story. When, when you would say good morning to them, they'd shoot you the finger. That's how they said good morning. I'm not going to do it to you, so don't, don't get alarmed. But that's how they, you know, and so... And the Lord would say, man, you just got to stay. Stay tuned to me. Just stay humble. Be hooked to me. Don't be moved by him. And for years, me and Shelly would go to our company picnics, and we would go to our country, I mean, our, our company Christmas party. And at the company Christmas party, you talking about sloshed. I mean, drunker than drunk. And I would have him say this to us over and over. You too good to drink? No, I'm not too good to drink. You better than us? No, I'm not better than you. I just choose not to. And I remember year after year, we would be mocked. 
God's not watching you here. It's okay for you to do this. It's okay for you to do that. But I remember at those times thinking, I will not compromise the conviction that God has put on me. And even to this day, guys, there's opportunity even with me to compromise. And I will shake at the presence of God. And I'll fear God more than I'll do man. And I think, you know what? Man can put pressure on me. Man can do those things to me. But I'm going to do everything I can to live by the fear of God. And when I don't, I'm going to repent. And I'm going to say, Father God, I want to get back right with you. I want to live for you. And guess what? Every one of us, guys, not only are we uh, uh, going to be held accountable for our own actions, but you are living models for your children. And what you do in moderation, your children will do in excess. I'm going to tell you that right now. Don't think they're not watching you. Don't think they're not going to do that stuff, guys. They're going to do it. And I want my children to grow up and say, man, my daddy honored God. There was a lady in our church and she told me the greatest memories I have of my father would be when I would be getting up before school. And she said, I'd walk through the living room and she said, I would see him on his knees at the couch praying for me and my brothers. And I said, your daddy needs a Jesus high five, man. That blesses me. That blesses me. Why am I telling us that, guys? It's not we're bad people. We just need to get back in line again and say, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve God because I'm going to tell you right now, you watch Hollywood, don't serve God. That's boring. No, it's not boring. I have a lot better adventures than Peter Pan ever thought about having. They cast out devils. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Stand up. Stand up. Now listen, we're going to keep going on this for a little bit longer because I believe the Lord's really wanting to